Okay. All right. So we're on? We're on. Well, hi! Okay. Well, it's the day after Christmas. As I said in my verse today, saddest day of the year. Man, I love Christmas so much. This is a good Christmas, too. I hope everyone else had a good Christmas. Um, God actually gave me this sermon um, earlier in the week, but I, I, I didn't really pay attention to it. I was just kind of humming a song in my head. It's funny, uh, God speaks to me through through music a lot. Do, do y'all ever get that? Like, like God, you just hear a song and, and like the, a certain word will just kind of yell uh, higher than the rest. That's what, I, I woke up listening to this song in my head that um, I hadn't heard in a little while. It's by my favorite artist, Crowder. But I was like, hmm, that's kind of weird. I haven't heard that song in a while. Normally some of the other ones radiate you know, through my head. And then like a couple of days later, I was reading, I've been reading Revelation. That's my third read-through. Uh, read and this one this one word or series of words kept popping up every time I was reading. I'm like, are you trying to tell me something? And he was. I've built a whole sermon off of it. So let's pray, and then we're just going to get into this. Lord, we, we love you, and we praise you, and we glorify you, and we're so thankful for you, Lord. Thank you so much for this past Christmas Day, Lord. Thank you so much for sending Jesus to us. Thank you so much for loving us so much that you don't want heaven without us, Lord. You want us in heaven with you because you're the creator of everything. You could just stay in heaven and, and we stay on earth and, and never even interact with us. There's, we have no redeeming quality that, that makes us good enough for you. And yet, you still love us. It's the most amazing thing ever. Lord, I, I pray that this sermon just hits people in the heart, just, just makes them be able to be closer to you. Perhaps even touches someone that doesn't believe and just brings them in closer, brings them to, to your door. I pray that you you speak through me as I preach, and I pray that we just have a good time together, always. I pray this in Jesus' name. All right, let's get started. We're going to start with Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 through 33. We've got a bit of reading today. Chapter 14, 22-33. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. Oh, I love this story. I had actually forgotten that this was, this was the first scripture that Jesus gave me. Verse 23, And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. Can you imagine? You're like on the sea, you know, little old boat, 
being tossed around. You just have to look up. There's Jesus walking across the water. I, I'd pee. I would. I would. I would urinate on myself. It would, and, and it would. It would be a warm feeling. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, "It is a spirit!" And they cried out for fear. I mean, they could clearly see Jesus, probably, but I mean, no one ever seen anybody walk on the water before. And let's be honest, no one has since. I mean. You know, we see it on TV, you know, like Christian shows and others, you know, you see people walking on water, but, you know, we know it's it's fake. This was literally a man walking upon the water, and not just clean, smooth water. He's walking on raging water. You know what I'm saying? I watched uh, one, uh, one, uh, one movie about God, and, and, and he's walking on the water, but he's... They had him kind of flowing with, with the waves. I don't imagine that's how it was. I imagine he's walking and everywhere he's stepping, it's, it's chill. You know what I'm saying? Everything around him is raging. He's just strolling. And the wind and the rain and everything is just bending to his will because he's God. Hmm. But straight away, Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. How many times in our lives have we ended up in a place where we were afraid. We were fearful for what's next, for what's to come, not knowing how we were going to get through this moment. And Jesus spoke to us then, sometimes quietly, sometimes loudly, sometimes not even in words. Many a times I, I'm spoken to, and it's not a word. It's a, it's a thing. It's a, it's a process. It's a moment. And and he said, be of good cheer, design, be not afraid. How many of us just chill, just calm, and weren't afraid? Almost none of us, I bet. You know, when you're going through a really tough time and you don't know what's going to happen next, it's hard to calm down. It's hard to listen and be of good cheer. Be, he didn't just say, relax, everything's going to be okay. He said, be happy. You're walking, I am walking to you on water. Be happy. It's all going to be okay. Even those of us that can listen and start to calm down, are we happy? When, when you get a flat tire, when your cell phone is dead, when you're out in the middle of nowhere, kind of hard to be happy and relaxed. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. I love Peter. Peter was just... Peter was, you know, he was the bodyguard. He, at least, he thought he was. He thought he was the bodyguard. I mean, all, all those times he thought he was protecting Jesus. <laughs> when in reality, it, it was very obvious that Jesus was protecting him. But he had, he had a lot of faith. So much faith. Of course, just like us, you know, that, that faith would wane from time to time. And, you know, when it did... Uh, you know, Jesus is right there to, to, to kind of show him, hey, it's okay. It's okay, because I still love you. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down, out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Can you imagine how that would feel to step out of a boat? onto the raging sea, and you're just standing there? 
But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. How many of us are filled with the Spirit? Are filled with the Spirit of God, and we feel like we ourselves can walk on water. And before we can truly take a step, we start thinking too much. We start looking around and letting everything else but the most important thing fill us. And we start to sink. And then God just reaches out his hand and pulls us up. Now, sometimes it's not immediate. Sometimes you're like, pull me out of this fire. And and, and it feels like you burn for a long time before you get pulled out. But then when you finally get pulled out, you realize that you've actually been out longer than you thought. And immediately, immediately, Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? <laughs> I love Jesus, man. He's like... Why were you worried? I'm literally standing in front of you. What are you worried about, boy? What are you worried about? I, I, I just grabbed you and pulled it. All you had to do was keep your faith. Quit looking around. Quit looking at everything around and thinking about everything that isn't important and focus on me. And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth thou art the Son of God. And yet, how many more times did they doubt after that? A lot. And how many more times? At every time God pulls us out of the fire, how many times do we turn around and go right back to doubting him? I do it. I'm not perfect at all. Anybody that knows me knows I'm the most imperfect individual there is. That's why it's so amazing that God called me to preach to others. I guess I guess he calls the least of us to, to preach to most of us from time to time. Let's move on to Revelation. We've got a lot of reading in Revelation. Uh, chapter 2, we're going to start with verse 7. I think I'm going to look into trying to get me a little podium or something. I'm going to kind of jump around, have a whole bunch of verses to get through. Uh, let's start with verse 7. Now this is Revelation. Most of what's being said is by Jesus in heaven. And he is speaking in a way that John, John wrote Revelations. He's speaking in a way so that John will write it down, but he will write it down in a way that, well, basically, the way Jesus is speaking, he's speaking to all of us right now. For example, verse 7, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that hath an ear, let him hear. He is proclaiming 
Open your ears and listen and read what I'm about to say. And, and take it to heart and understand it because these things will be. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of, of the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of God. If you overcome, you will eat of the tree of eternal life. Verse 11. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. Now he said in verse 7, he that overcometh will eat of the tree of life. So if you eat of the tree of life, you know but he, but he said it again, and he had to say it again, and he continues to say it because we have a tendency not to listen. Hence the whole reason that Jesus had to step out of heaven onto earth to save us. Because after all the commandments that were given, everything that was given, God said, do this the way that I say and you will be saved. And we couldn't do it, so Jesus had to come down and take upon our sin because we weren't strong enough to just do what we were told to do. He that he, I'm going to say that again, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be heard of the second death. He that overcomes shall not experience the second death, which is the eternal. Verse 17. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. We are going to get a new name. In heaven, we're going to be given a new name. And only we will know that name. And God. God will. But a name only given to us that only we and God know. What that says to me is that is a, a special gift. A very, very... Only one. A very, very unique gift. That will be given. It's just ours. All of us. And if we overcome, if we overcome, we will eat of the hidden manna. Does, any, does, does anyone know what manna is? Manna is not energy for an RPG. Manna, originally, was a, was a gift from, from God, from heaven. It was literally food raining down from the sky. When God... When, Mo, when, when God led Moses to lead the people out of Egypt, they're, they're walking around the desert, they're whining, we're going to starve to death, we should have stayed in Egypt where we were beaten and killed so that we could eat every day. We're so hungry, God, please help us. Blah, blah, blah. All the while, they're literally watching the essence of God floating before them as, as a cloud of smoke in the, in the day and a pillar of fire at night. So it's not like they're whining to, to the invisible God. They're literally looking at the essence of him leading them through the desert and they're still complaining. That's crazy. And he's like, okay, you know what? You're right. 
you're not, you're not even great. I thought, you know what, I'm going to take care of you. You know what, I'm going to take care of you because I love you. So it is going to rain. Food is going to rain down from heaven. It is going to rain down for my people. And all you have to do is gather it, mill it into flour, and bake it into bread. That's it. I'm going to rain food down from you. And it was described as looking uh, somewhat along the lines of coriander seed. But you are going to, you're, all you have to do is grind it, turn it into flour, throw in some water, bake it, and you have food. So now us, we, we are going to get to, if we overcome, we're going to get to eat of the hidden manna. Now I'm thinking the hidden manna is like another step above the regular manna that wasn't hidden. Be honest, ever since I read the story, I wonder how it tasted. I mean, I, I wonder if it was like light, like clouds. You know what I'm saying? It's from heaven. The food of heaven, but but it wasn't the actual food of heaven because the actual food of heaven is the tree of life. This was created for us, for the people then. Verse 26, and we're going to go through 29. And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end to him will I give power over the nations. If you overcome, you will have power over the nations. If he sh and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. As the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received my father, and I will give him the morning star. I'm sure that you have heard that we'll have a crown in heaven. A lot of people just accept that. They don't really know what that means. Jesus is literally saying, if you overcome, I will give you a place over many nations. So you will literally have a crown and you will be over others. Of course, the ones that they'll be over are the non-believers. And he will rule the nations with a rod of iron. That's used many, many times throughout the Bible. And all you have to do is overcome. Sounds easy, right? Verse 28. And I will give him the morning star. The morning star is it's the true, the true morning star is Jesus. Now, Satan tried to take the morning star to be his own at one point. Uh, I imagine Antichrist will have something to do with the morning star. Anything they can do to mussy up God's word. But you will be given the morning star. I don't know what that is. Sounds awesome, though. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. I love the fact that Jesus is proclaiming this. This is a vision given to John. It's a vision of what will come. And I take it as some of what is written isn't actually... I, I, I think some of it is so that we can see within these words, a comparison of what we're going through now. Some of it will be actual, and some of it 
some of it will be literal and some of it won't be as literal, in my opinion. Let's move over to chapter 3 in Revelations. We're going to start with verse 5. He that overcometh the, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. If you overcome, you will be written in the book of life. If you overcome, you will be presented to God. He will confess your name before the Father and before all the angels. What's amazing to me is the angels. Every angel that's ever appeared and every person that's ever tried to worship the angel, the angel's like, ah, hey, you don't worship me. You worship God. So when he's saying, I will confess his name before my father and before his angels, the angels will be your brothers and sisters in my opinion. Uh, I, don't, I don't know that they actually have a sex. Uh, I think they're sexless, but to be honest, when we go to heaven, I think it will still look male and female, but I don't think that we'll have a sex, so to speak. I don't know for sure. But the angels will be our, our, our kin. Because Jesus said whenever the Pharisees were... Uh, trying to trip him up, and, and he said, and, and they said, well, you know, it, it says in the law of Moses that when a, when a woman dies, I mean, when a, when a woman's husband dies, then she marries the brother, so that, so that the seed will carry on, and if that brother dies, then she'll mar marry the next brother, all the way up into seven brothers, so when she goes to heaven, whose who's wife is she? And Jesus said, people in heaven will be as angels in heaven, and there will be no marriage. So we will be equals with the angels. Awesome. Verse 6. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Starting out, Jesus was like, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And then he said what needed to be said. And after several scriptures, then he's saying it at the end. He wants to make sure that we understand. He wants to make sure that we, that we listen to what is being said. Now, why is that? We're going to get into it. Verse 12. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. He, and he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem which cometh down out of heaven, heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. A pillar. What does a pillar do? What does a pillar do? A pillar holds firm where it, where it sits. It holds up whatever sits upon it, right? A pillar doesn't move. You, you, you hear the term, the pillar of the community. The pillar of the community. The pillar of the community is someone that stands firm. He that overcomes, I will make a pillar into the temple, and he will never go out. So, you, when you overcome, 
God will place you in amongst his flock forevermore. You will not leave his holy place. You will always be in among him. Never to leave his side. Never to leave his holy place. And his holy place, when the end of times comes, his holy place will be where he is. There will be no more temple, so to speak. He is the temple. Verse 21. 21 and 22. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame, and am set down with my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, that is the ultimate honor. You're going to sit with Jesus in his throne. And you need only overcome. Even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. Now, what are we overcoming? What is it that we must overcome? Sin. Jesus overcame sin. He was, he was in the desert for 40 days fasting. And then Satan came to him at his weakest point and tempted him in every way imaginable. And he held fast. Why? Because he's God. Only God. Only God could have resisted. Is Jesus expecting us to never sin again? If you never sin again, all of this will be done for you. But if you sin, even once, you're out of there. No. That's why Jesus came. That's why he died on the cross. Jason, will you flip that fan on for me? There you go. Getting a little worked up. That's why he came. That's why he died. That's why he lived on earth and died on earth and took upon our sin because he knows that we can't stop sinning. Our flesh is very, very weak. So if we're to overcome sin, but we can't overcome sin, then how do we overcome sin? In our spirit. There are many sins that you can stop. You can stop. Some sin is passive. It's, it's impossible to control. But there are many sins that you can choose to stop. But you have to choose. It's it, it said that God will never give you more than you can handle. He will never tempt you greater than you can resist. But is it going to be hard? Yeah, it's going to be hard. I imagine it was really hard for Jesus to get whipped with a whip that had pieces of bone in it. I imagine it was really hard for Jesus to drag that cross up that hill. I imagine it was really, really hard for him to hang on that cross and die, considering he had the power to step off of it. That's the big kicker. 
Jesus had the power to leave that cross at any moment. He had the power to heal his wounds like that. He had the power to resist wounds altogether. He said it once before. He could call 10,000 legions of angels to him immediately. He had the power to remove himself from all of that pain. But he didn't. Why? Because of love. Love. The most perfect love that's ever been. I talk about his love all the time, but I never trivialize it and I never will. Could you imagine hanging on a cross? And on the cross, they, they didn't bleed out. They suffocated. They, the, the way they were set, they ultimately suffocated. You're Jesus. The Word made flesh. The Son of the living God. And you're hanging on a cross, bleeding and suffocating. And you have the power to just step off and completely be healed. But you don't. That is what he overcame. His father wanted him, wanted him to die on the cross for our sins and resurrect so that we ourselves can be born again and ascend to heaven just as we someday will ascend to heaven. He wanted Jesus, his son, God himself, Jesus is God. But he wanted to do what the Father wanted him to do. And he did it. He overcame it. Not because he had to. But because he chose to. There's not a more perfect one. And he wants us to overcome. He wants us to choose he wants us to choose to pursue light and love and goodness. And all we have to do is try. We don't even have to succeed all the time. Just try. If you try, if you seek, it is, it is written, seek God constantly. Pray without ceasing. If you seek him, constantly seek him, you will overcome. But if, if, it, if it gets hard and you just you want to go back to that old stuff that you, that you miss so much, you just want to you know, fill some of those needs again, you know, that leave you empty afterwards, and you turn away from them, that's not pursuing them. That's, that's not overcoming. That's being overcome. It's hard. It is very hard. Trust me, I know. Let's, uh, let's go to 1 John. 1 John chapter 5. I love 1 John. Oh. 1 John chapter 5, 1 through 5. 
Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth him, that begat loveth him, also that is begotten of him. If you love God, you are of God, because you are God's child. Now, were we all created by God? Yes. But you don't truly become a child of God until you're born again. If you love him and you do what he wants you to do, if you pursue goodness through him, because there is moral. You hear of people that have that are moral. They don't believe in God. They set their morals on basically their own their own statutes. They're moral. But being moral and being good aren't always the same. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? And see, here when he says, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. He doesn't want you to just love him. He wants you to spread your love. He wants you to love others. He wants you to love the children of God, your fellow Christians, your fellow believers. He wants you to love your fellow believers, but not just them. As Jesus said, there's a new commandment. Now, this is after he gave the two commandments. Love thy God with all thy heart and all thy mind and all thy soul and all thy spirit when they asked who, what the greatest commandments were. And the second was love thy neighbor as thyself. But then he came out with a new commandment, and he called it a new commandment. And it replaces the second. It's not a continuation. It's not number three. It's the new number two. Love thy neighbor as I have loved you. Now, I have said this a million times probably. I'm probably going to say it a million more. Maybe ten million more. Love thy neighbor as I have loved you. As I have loved you, love them. Now, God's love is perfect. The love of Jesus to, to suffocate and die on that cross and not step off of it when he could, that kind of love. We don't have the ability to be able to love like that, but we have the ability to try. Don't we? We can try. We can try to love. Love thy neighbor as I have loved you is, that doesn't mean just love your neighbor next door. Maybe old Billy down at the end of the at the end of the street there. Love your neighbor. Your neighbor is everyone other than you. Not you. So basically, love everyone as God loves you. Talk about a tall task. 
loving everyone, loving people that hate you, that cuss you out, that hit you with, try to hit you with their car, that throw things at you, that spit on you, that make fun of you incessantly. People that set out to extinguish your candlestick just because they think theirs was burned bright. People that talk about you behind your back. People that gossip. I know I don't gossip. We all gossip a little bit when we want to or not. Every time I catch myself, I just stop, I run off in a corner, and I pray for forgiveness. Every time. Sometimes that's a lot. And sometimes I don't realize I have until a little bit later, and I'm like, oh my goodness, I am so sorry. Father, please help me not to help me not to speak sinful things. Help me not to think sinful things. Help me not to do sinful things. Man, I I, pre, I, I, I pray that prayer so often. You can go ahead and just let that out. It's okay. I'm surprised we haven't heard Brandy's little alarm or the dog bark or whatever. Dogs at grandma's. Yeah. And the alarm is silent. Oh my gosh. My wife spoke on camera. I hope everybody heard that. Hi, everybody. Okay, so let's switch over to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Verse 21. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. There is the overcome, the ultimate overcome. Be not overcome with evil, but overcome good. Remember Revelations? If ye overcometh, ye will have everlasting life. If you overcome, you will eat of the tree of life. If you overcome, you will have a place in my throne room with me. If you overcome, you your name will not be blotted out of the book of life. If you overcome, you will live forever. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Sounds easy, don't it? Amazing how hard it is. I was actually going to end my sermon with that, and then God gave me one more verse. John chapter 16. Chapter 16, verse 33. These things I have spoken unto you, this is Jesus, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulations, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I think that pretty much, I think that pretty much sums it up, doesn't it? I'm going to read it once more, and then I'm going to close in prayer. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. 
In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Father, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you so much for giving us this word, Lord. Thank you for speaking through me, Lord. For giving me another sermon another week. Thank you, Lord, for loving and pouring your love upon all of your children of God, Lord. Thank you for not turning your back on us, for not forsaking us. Thank you, Lord, for loving everyone and teaching us to love everyone so that the everyone that aren't children can become children of God, Lord, so that those that don't know you can know you. Those that don't believe in you can believe, Lord. I pray that that we go throughout our next week and, and we keep Jesus in our heart. Christmas is over, but Jesus is still here. He lives within us. His spirit flows through the land, Lord. I pray that we remember and we know that you live. I pray this and all of these wonderful things in your glorious and holy name. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Let me just keep this thing up here.